Hey guys, uh, before we get into the podcast, one thing I've realized that I'm doing a terrible job at is letting you know where the hell I'm gonna be in the world. So if you go to garyvee.com slash events, I'm gonna be in El Paso, Texas. I'm gonna be in Edmonton. I'm gonna be at Super Bowl next weekend. Uh, what else do I have coming on? NBA All-Star Weekend in Chicago. I'm just out and about doing a lot of public events. Go to garyvee.com slash events. I'm just tired of so many people being like, shit, I didn't know you were here because we fucking suck at telling you where I am and I don't promote this events link enough. GaryVee.com slash events. Just to like kick it serious with you guys, like March 11th in Dubai, March 26th in Edmonton, March 27th in Vegas, and April 28th in Vegas. I'm in Romania on May 4th. I'm in London May 5th. Uh, I'm in Jersey City, what up Jersey? May 19th, Syracuse, New York, Jesus Christ. September 17th, I'm in British Columbia, Kolawana, like on October 23rd. None of you people knew this. Go to garyvee.com slash events. Now to the podcast. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hey guys, uh, about to go into a really great uh, interview with Chip Conley, who's a great entrepreneur, hotelier. Uh, I think you'll notice, right, as we get into the episode, back to my craziness, I literally had no fucking idea why he's on the show, other than he reached out and I said yes, because I know he's quality. He goes into a subject matter around ageism and opportunities and and quantifying time, and I'm super pumped I had him on, uh, some, and... Uh, I think this is bringing a lot of value, so sit back, relax, enjoy, especially if you're 41 to 73, just really zone in here. Uh, but if you're 19, pay attention, because the thematics play. Hey everybody, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and I have a really special guest here, an entrepreneur that I've known for a very long time, and I got an email, I get a lot of emails. I got an email <laughs> either from him or his crew, and they're like, Chip's got some stuff to talk about. I'm like, yes. So here we are. Thank you. On MLK Day, we're filming and recording this. Uh, Chip Conley's in the building. Chip, uh, why don't you tell everybody who's listening a little bit about yourself and then, very frankly, some of the things that you want to talk about and then we'll riff. Yeah, so great to be here. Thanks, Congratulations man. on the digs here. It's pretty, pretty nice. Thank you. Um, staying at the Equinox Hotel right nearby, which is very, which nice. Is very, very nice. Getting a, getting a massage tonight. <laughs> um, so yeah, I started the second largest boutique hotel company in the U.S. when I was 26, uh, called Joie Vive, based in San Francisco. All 52 of the hotels were all in California. Sold it, and then seven years. How did the first one start? Because I know this audience, when they hear that hyperbole, everyone's like, "How?" Yeah. So how the first did the first one start? I was two years out of. Uh, Stanford Business School. In fact, I was hanging out with my friend Seth Godin yesterday here in New York, um, and uh, who I went to business school with. So I started the first one by buying a, a pay-by-the-hour motel, um, not because I was frequenting it, <laughs> but which be- would have been fun because it was cheap. And um, how'd you have any capital? I raised uh, about one point one million dollars. So I was twenty-six. I had gone to Stanford Business School, gone to Stanford undergrad, had a lot of friends who had money. Had money. I was not from a f- money family. Yep. Um, and I. What year yeah, was this? It was 1986, 86, 87. So give me, you know what's funny, that's a little bit, like I don't have, yes, enough before my time that I don't have a good enough read on how ridiculously hard or ridiculously easy, even going to Stanford, you know, when I hear 86, 87 and I hear 1.1, yeah, like I'm like, oh, that's a real accomplishment. You know, now kids, well, I'll say this, listen, raising capital is its own game in itself, but you know, today, 
you don't have to be that remarkable to actually be able to raise a million dollars for a startup idea because of yeah. what's happened the last decade. That's true. In night, paint this for me. In 1986-87, in the Stanford world, like, was that incredibly difficult? Was that two families that had so much money that it, like, well, give me a little context to make it practical. It was about 20 investors all putting about 50K each in. So it was it was like a syndication. That's what we used to call it. And, and it Did but, people think it was crazy to give a 26 year old? Because I was 26 and right. had no hotel experience. Again, now the 22 year old getting a million bucks seems yeah. common. Then it seems to me like an it, enigma. It was wacky and it was a- Or was things happening because it was Stanford no, San Fran- and well, San Francisco. San Francisco was, this was a, you know, San Francisco was not what it is today then. Um, long story short is it would be, people were betting on me, not on the business plan and not on the real estate because it was a broken down motel in the Tenderloin in San Francisco. So, um, and it became, so I raised the money. It took me three and a half years to, to sort of get it to a place where it was clearly a success story. It became the rock and roll hotel in San Francisco. So everybody from David Bowie to Linda Ronstad were staying there um, as this funky motel. And um, how'd you get the first get? The first get? Yeah, uh, like the first person that this was is a cool great story. I, that you got because that became the domino to In it. terms of the investors? No. In terms of the guests? Guests. It was all about the, the tour manager. Everybody thought mm. it was all about going out and m- marketing to the travel agents. Mm. No, it was actually the person who made the decision was mm. the guy who's about five years older than the rest of the band mm. who wanted to make sure they didn't do an overdose or the groupie wouldn't like hijack them. Yes. And so we gave that, we, we did a deal where we said, we have a massage treatment room. You can get a free massage if you bring us 10 room nights. And so the tour managers <laughs> started talking to each other. And next thing I knew, all the tour managers and the bus drivers, the bus drivers liked us because we had free bus parking too. So at the end of the day, you got to determine like, what do you have that's your benefit? And we had a massage studio and a, and a parking lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the, uh, no, the like tour that. manager bought it. And next thing I knew, we were, we basically for 33 years now, that hotel, it's called the Phoenix Funky Motel in the Tenderloin. Um, and then, I, you know, create 52. And were you there every day? I was there every day in the early yeah. days. Yeah, yeah for course. sure. I mean, I was learning the business. I didn't know anything about it. Of course. Uh, I didn't go to Cornell Hotel School or anything right. like that. So why'd you want to do it? I loved, I, first of all, I had a lot of people staying on my couch. <laughs> so, you know, a little market research was like, why are you all staying in my couch? Why don't you stay in a hotel? And they kept saying the hotels in San Francisco are either uh, really expensive or really boring. Um, who are these people? Friends who are coming to visit San Francisco. So I- Where'd you grow up? I grew up in LA, grew up in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. I went to Snoop Dogg's High School. So I'm <laughs> LBC, famous. I love it. Lo- N- Long Beach Poly High School, number one high school for- Might have been a slightly different high school when you and Snoop were there no, or same? No, yeah, I mean, so Snoop was, Snoop's about 10 years younger than me, but he's stayed in my hotels, <laughs> which you'd need to know after Snoop stays in your hotel room, you definitely <laughs> yeah. need to, f- you need to feel the game a little yep. bit, just because there's a little, there's a little, yeah, little stench of the, of the weed. Makes um, sense. But, um, <laughs> So yeah, when I was back there, no, I was, I, they called me Curious White Boy. Um, I played it. basketball, uh, like you, nice. you and I. So last time I think I saw Gary was, <laughs> we were playing, we were at Summit at Sea, up on a top deck, playing, playing basketball. full court basketball so while fun. he was in his sandals. I'm surprised you didn't True. break a leg. I'm super happy. Um, no, but I, I had that company for 24 years, sold That's it, awesome. Hi, it's now a Hyatt brand. And um, long story short is I, seven years ago, was asked by the, the three founders of Airbnb to come help them grow their company into a global hospitality brand. So I've spent seven years as Brian Chesky's um, mentor, and I was the head of global hospitality and strategy for the company for four years full time, and then for the last three years, just been like a strategic advisor to them. That's cool. Yeah, so that the thing that, and part of the reason I'm here is because 
while I was they, there, you know, they called me a curious white boy when I was in high school. They called me the modern elder at Airbnb, and mm-hmm. I did not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was twice the age of the average employee at Airbnb. Mm-hmm. I started when I was 52. I'm 59 now. For everybody who's listening, my great run in kind of the Silicon Valley investment world definitely was kind of like 05 to like 06 to like 2010. And what's interesting about hearing this story is that Chip absolutely like was in those circles with me. And it was just like, like there was a bunch, there was probably like 40 to 150 people that weren't hardcore tech, had come from different diverse backgrounds, but were kind of like in the mix, one way or the other. And so it, it makes, it's really fun to hear that that's where you ended up and how, it makes so much fucking sense because the value prop on context and reps that you were able to bring that exact company is like the most logical shit I've ever heard. Well, it was so funny because uh, when I joined, first of all, for the first five months, we didn't tell anybody I joined. So we didn't tell the press. We wanted to see how Brian and I got along because I was- Where did you meet Brian originally? Brian just called me. He yeah. just called me out yeah, of the blue. The he, he said, you know, Brian, one of the things I will say about like Brian, Brian, you know, a lot of people think it's the hubris that makes you a great CEO. It's actually the humility. 100%. And in case of Brian, in Brian's case, he's had the humility to say, I don't know a bunch of stuff. So I'm going to go out and, and when it comes to hospitality, I'm going to go talk to this guy who's in San Francisco, who's created a boutique hotel company. He's an entrepreneur. Who, who's and in the mix with our community. He's in the which mix. Which really yeah. mattered at the time. That's true. And it so, always does, but I remember it very vividly. Oh my God. All the people who looked at me like what the hell are you doing when it finally was announced five months later it's like why would you my my well breath, that was your old my world. brethren in the hotel yeah. world had no they, they had, had no, no clue concept. what airbnb was yeah it was and the most so, anyway long story short is uh it's been it, it led me to becoming this modern elder and I'll, what the hell's a modern elder so an, um, the traditional elder of the past was all about reverence you revered your elders but a modern elder is about relevance and so you better be as curious as you are wise so at age 52, I was joining a tech company for the first time. I didn't understand the lingo, but I had to learn. And so what I had to do was be humble. I had to be open to like saying, I don't know what you fucking mean by saying you're going to ship a feature. Explain that to me. And I and so I was the person who could come in and make the bridges and create the bridges to the travel industry. And I was Brian's mentor and helping him to look at leadership from a CEO's perspective. But the problem in our society today, and I think you've talked a little bit about this in the past, is we're going to live longer, power is moving younger, and the world is changing faster. And there's a collection of people in midlife who feel irrelevant and bewildered. And have a ton to give. They do. But to your point, and I'm sure my team smiled because it's a word I talk a lot about, it's going to take humility on both fronts. For sure. There are a lot of people who are 45 to 60 years old who just are complaining about millennials and they're not actually asking how they are getting back in the mix by becoming a beginner again. And aren't being held accountable for parenting and creating the millennials. <laughs> my, it's my favorite dynamic right that now. That too. Literally, I go to these dinners or whatever and like they're shitting on it and I'm like, mm, you're the parent. <laughs> you're the one that created this entitlement. <laughs> you know, because everybody had to have a fucking trophy. We, the, here's the thing I've learned, you know, I had something to teach Brian. Brian had something to teach me. Thousand percent. And I had a hundred mentors over my seven years now at Airbnb, and and each one of those hundred mentees, I'm sorry, I had hundred men. Well, interesting, I said that. I had mm-hmm. said I had a hundred mentors. Well, I did. Mm-hmm. I was going to say a hundred mentees, but mutual mentorship is the future of learning and development in I, companies. I am such a fucking buyer of what you're putting down right yeah, now. Yeah. I I think we're about to go through the golden era. We're going through it at Vayner. Yeah. Uh, I I hired a new chief creative officer, and I told him. 
one of the things I want to do in 2020 is hire retired copywriters, literally from the Mad Men era. Yeah. They'll be, there's so much to bring to the table. Nobody looks at them as a viable option. I like literally can't wait to hire them. A, a lot of them are so financially sound on the East Coast here anyway yeah, that yeah. like they'll be thrilled to work for minimum wage, let alone something more than that. Yeah. And it'll be fun. Yeah. And the kids are gonna learn. After it's the tech industry, I think the advertising industry probably has the highest uh, level of ageism out there. Because I think that's right. I, I, I'm such a foreigner to it, and yeah. now that I'm in it, I'm like, there's yes. I, I don't understand how you're not as creative at 52 as you were at 39. It's yeah. silly. It, it's so there's a lot of opportunity here, and that's so what that's led to is I wrote this book called Wisdom. Well, it's funny. I apologize. Oh, we talked oh, about football before I went yeah. on. I think a lot about coaching. Yep. Uh, look at the co- two coaches that are going to be in the Super Bowl. Yep. One's a vet coach, yeah. and one's Reed, a, and, finally, and, and one's a, yeah, yeah. a young coach. Yeah. Well, Andy's been to the Super Bowl. He's, been, as you he's know. never won. No, and and yeah. hopefully it's not finally for you because you're a Niners fan <laughs> and you don't want him to win this one. But then then you have Shanahan, who's a young buck, right? Yeah. And the NFL, you've seen that. You've seen a guy go with Carroll and Belichick and Reed over here, yep. who are the o- older guard. Yeah. And then you've got this whole McVeigh Shanahan young guard. Yeah. Uh, and I and I really actually believe there's a lot there. Yeah. I actually think, you know, in politics, I think a lot about the founding fathers of how young they are and how mm-hmm. old a lot of our politicians are, and I think that's great. But I think you need the mix of two and the friction, and I think you're, I'm, I'm very much buying what you're putting down, and I think knowing you enough from the outside world and the serendipitous ways we've run into each other, I'm excited that you are clearly uh, thinking about being one of the champions of this conversation because I think it's a good one. Well, it's why I wrote this book. It's also gonna bring a lot of happiness. You're about to help a ton of 45 to 72 year olds. You know what's interesting is people's, uh, you're 44. Okay, couple thoughts on 44. 44, frankly, you're right there. Your life has been different than the average person. But you know the lowest point of happiness uh, in in across cultures is about age forty seven. Interesting. So um, what happens is this U curve of happiness. People are happy and they get less happy. James, how old are you? Fifty two. Understood. And you you were were shaking your head on that forty (laughs) seven. We worked on some data for a happiness curve. And you found it to be in that range. Interesting. Yeah. So it's fascinating. Keep going. So long story short is can't wait. Three years away. Uh, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> I'll be okay. Listen, if you, how, how long are you going to live? First of all, I think 111 for me. 111. Wow. I, I, I would just imagine. So if you live to 111, you're probably not even out into the second quarter of your adult life yet. You're now, preaching. People, met, I, I'm not even sure I left the dugout yet. So when I, when I uh, recently was hanging out with my dad, scuba diving in Indonesia, and um, I, I cash. Did a, oh, oh, yeah, just cash. <laughs> cash. Um, and we were. Uh, I went on one of those online sites, <laughs> put through my data in there, and they said I was, was going to live till 98. Cool. And I did the math, and this was two years ago. This is a year and a half ago, two years ago. And I was 57 at the time. And it, the truth is, if I do live till 98, at age 57, I was not even at halftime of my adult life, starting adult at, life. at age 18. Understood. So you're probably, if you live to 111, you might be going into the second quarter. <laughs> Listen, my, my relationship with time and the ability to be hyper but have a great patience graph yeah. is something that I beat the drum up very heavily because it will help people because so many people are anxious because they think they have to figure it out at 30. Well, they see they see these people like Brian Chesky and But there's and like Mark, seven of them. Yeah, exactly. So they, I keep reminding them. Well, there's fucking 42 of these this people. This is why a lot of people feel entitled or they no feel shit. or they feel the, the sense of prior of like if he can do it, I can do it. So I wrote a book called Wisdom at Work, The Making of a Modern Elder based upon my Airbnb experience. When did it come out? Came out last year. Came out actually came out the end of last year. So it came, and the end of I'm sorry, end of 2018. Yes. And do you feel that that might, you know, it's funny. I really want to ask you this question. Came out in 2018, late 2018. Yeah. Are you excited because 
if you're analyzing that conversation, you were a hair early, like in the macro, and then it's starting to build momentum? Uh, Just curious on your own personal take. Yes, the answer is, it probably came out about six months before the thing started to hit. And I would argue, and tell me what you think, because yeah. it's a conversation I'm passionate about, it's still wildly not being talked about. No, no, a ageism, or even just the subject of age diversity, it's been proven that actually age is the number one form of diversity on teams. So better than race diversity, I mean, we need all kinds of diversity, let's start with that. But age is a more effective form of diversity than race, gender, sexual orientation, et cetera, for a lot of reasons. Primarily because our brain is different as we're older versus younger. So that led me to reading, creating something called the Modern Elder Academy. So it's the world's first midlife wisdom school. It's been open now for two years. It's in Baja, so I get to live an hour north of uh, Cabo, Cabo San Lucas on the Pacific so Coast. So it's a great wine there. It's amazing. Great wine in Baja, yeah, the northern, the side, northern yeah. Baja, the Baja de Guadalupe. Yep. Yes, exactly, the Guadalupe Valley. So um, yeah, so, I, so we've had 750 alums. Remarkable. Average age 53 from 22 countries. Are you teaching? I'm teaching. I just taught last week with a guy named Paul Hawken, famous environmentalist, author, and um, entrepreneur. And um, yeah, so it's it's, ama it's amazing. It's amazing. So it's a social enterprise too. So we give scholarships as well. So I give about a million and a half dollars. How a year much does it cost? It's like if for a single, it's 5,500 for a week. Uh, double occupancy is 4,000 for a week. But that's all inclusive. That includes everything, including a massage. <laughs> you know, massage is the theme here, you know? Do some people look at it as, hey, I, I can understand it. Very interesting. How, well, much, how much is it again? So it's 4,000 to 5,500. But there's scholarships. For a week, a week? For a whole week, three meals a day, full on gourmet staff, uh, uh, kitchen staff. The number Do you one feel like some people who can afford it, or even if they can't afford it with scholarship, there's a, see it as a mix between advancement and vacation? It's both. Yeah, so it's like sense. transformational you think about where it is. Like, you know what? why I'm stopping? And again, I think you guys saw in the setup, like literally, if you know anything about me, like the email, I saw Chip's name and I said yes. So I literally had no idea what the fuck we were talking about. Thank you. I'm so oblivion to everything. Like <laughs> I didn't even realize how long you were at Airbnb and things of that nature. But this is so hitting me so perfectly. I want to stick here for a minute. Yeah. I think it's really clever because I think what I really like about it is, is like I don't like vacations. Yeah. Like let me phrase, I like vacations. Yeah. But like I don't want to scuba dive or like rock climb, but this thing you just said, I'm like, oh that'd be cool. And I'm pumped. Yeah. Like I'm in a great place and not looking for like, oh fuck, I don't know. Like I'm in a great place and I'm like, maybe I should I'm gonna I'm gonna trick Chip into letting me teach, so I'll just come, take it. Like I you listen, know, like come co lead with well, me. Well that was for my trick, so there we go. I'll, like I, I we'll talk we about it. Honestly, I'm super fascinated by this. Yeah. More importantly, I've like not exhausted, but I've done a very good job for my own self, judging my own self over the last 36 months to really pounding a certain conversation to a certain demo. I'm wildly excited about 55 to 90. Yeah. Like I really am. This I really is your wish... modern elder period. No, Truly. no, I like it. Forget about me. Yeah. I want fuckers to realize they're 52 and they're gonna live for another 38 years yes. minimally and like what the fuck are you wrapping it up? Yeah, exactly. The fuck are we talking about? No, it's crazy. And it's so, crazy. So All the, the rules, Chip, are predicated on when people live to 40. Yeah. All the rules. Yeah. Well, so so the at age forty seven was the the longevity in the year nineteen hundred, and it was seventy seven by the year two thousand. So we added thirty years of longevity in one century. 
But we also introduced a whole new concept, which is the midlife crisis in 1965. And now it is 55 years later, and we've done very little to address the midlife crisis, so to speak. And so my, my premise, and you know, really midlife, like midlife suicide are up 50% compared to the year 2000. So long story short is I said, I wanted to create the world's first midlife wisdom school because the premise, there's a, there's a new word in, in the academic uh, world called middle essence. So adolescence, we know what an adolescent is, yep. but that word is only 115 years old. So that prior to the word adolescence being in the lexicon 115 years ago, people at age 13 when they hit puberty were an adult. And you, you got married and you had kids and you worked in the mines, yep. et cetera. And then adolescence became a clear new new sort of life stage. I and like so where you're going with the, this. The life stage between it. childhood and adulthood. So we have middle essence. It's the stage between adulthood and elderhood. Elderhood is different than elderly. Elderhood is a relative term. At Airbnb, I learned the hard way. I was a modern elder because I was twice the age of the average employee there. So I I owned the word. Um, and I had to say, okay, but it's a modern elder because they're as curious as they are as they are wise. So who, what kind of programs do we have for people in midlife if they want to go press the reset button on their life? We don't have them. And so that's the bottom line. It's cool. There's a study out of Yale from a woman named Becca Levy that shows that if you actually help people move from a, a negative to neutral perspective on aging to a positive one, you actually add seven and a half good years to their life. I believe that. And that's more time added than if you actually have them stop smoking or you have them actually start working out. So it's like a public health benefit. Listen, nobody's a bigger buyer of perspective is actual life. Yeah. You find what you're looking for. It's all mindset. I believe yeah. in that shit, bro. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's really, really neat. Yeah. So what, you want to build like fucking Harvard? No, no I, what, what more than anything I'd like to do, I've been lucky enough to be on the board of the Burning Man Project for Burning Man for about 10 years and I just stepped down. I'd like to do what they did or what the Esalen Institute did in Big Sur, which is be Got the it. first of its kind and then basically create the category. And so whether the category is transformational festivals with Burning Man or personal growth retreat centers with Esalen, we will create the category of midlife wisdom schools Yeah, I like world. it a lot. I'm a buyer. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Come on down to Baja. I will. I'm, I'm, I'm not against it. Like I really like, I really, I talk a lot about people visiting retirement homes. I talk a lot about 50, 60, 70. I think people are just checking out when the game's still on. Yeah. Um, it's because, especially if you're 55 right now, you grew up in a household right. where your grandparents were dying around that age. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, the, like people yeah. don't understand how much advancement has well, happened. Plus, you also had hierarchy. I mean, back in the old days, you sort of paid your dues and then you got to 55 and you said, I'll go out on the golf course and I won't have to work hard. And then the recession of 10 years ago, 12 years ago, came along and you lost your job. Actually, I think one quarter of the people in the US, age 50 and older, lost their job in the Great Recession. And they didn't find it again. <laughs> they lost it and then they started working at Walmart. So there's a lot of people who fit this profile and there's a lot of wisdom because one of the things that has been proven is that your emotional intelligence grows with age. You have context, experience, yeah, exactly. it fucking matters. So, so that's that. Very, that's very interesting. It's great to see you. It's great to see you. Let me ask you a couple of quick yeah. things. You've said you had 750. Uh, uh, 750 alums now from Give 22 countries. Give me a anecdotal story. Uh, let me tell you that an anecdotal be, story yeah. that talks about the diversity. Or, why why, yeah. we're, why, why, why we made a social enterprise. There was a, in our beta period, the first six months, we had a 45-year-old white male retired investment banker who was wealthy but didn't have purpose. Right. And we had a 62-year-old social worker, African-American social worker, female, Lots of purpose, no money. 
we didn't set them up to actually learn from each other but they went for a walk on the beach every single day because our, our campus our four acre campus is right on the beach and so what we've come to realize is that wisdom is not taught it's shared and what you do is you create a a, a cohort of 18 to 20 people and are you guys of, are you dispro- yeah. do you have enough demand that you guys can be thoughtful in oh, yeah. in the yeah yeah no very very po- it's it's you know I'm practical right like no, we were on the cover of Southwest Airlines magazine January of last year we were on the cover of the New York Times business section uh Sunday is this business a for profit business no it's a, it's a social enterprise i i don't i don't take a dime and over 50% of our people run scholarship in the first year. So mm-hmm. so could it be a for-profit business? Absolutely. Are there some big you know global hospitality companies watching us right now? Yes, partly because cuz you're not cuz you're an entrepreneur, do you have hopes for well, it to be? Yeah, so here's the thing. So I Which I think is awesome by I was the way one just of the to first like, I hate when tires. like you're not allowed to like be into no, it. No, I know, I know. You know, but I mean, you know, I mean, no, you, this has every potential to be a for-profit business. Do you personally want it to be? I mean that. Yes, I would like to see for profit and social and nonprofit, yeah. both. Great. Like, why not both? And but, more importantly, to your point, other people feeding off the hypothesis to do whatever they want with it. Yeah, I think part of the reason these global hotel chains are looking at this is a couple things. Number one is they look at Chip and they say, okay, you know, 33 years ago, one of the first boutique hoteliers. Seven years ago, joined Airbnb when everybody thought he was an idiot. Yeah, no, listen. Home What's his next thing? And his next thing seems to be this midlife wisdom school thing. Right, and you have and leverage of success, which is gonna make them take it more seriously. There's serious. that, and then there's also Do you hate sense. that ever? No. You know, I asked you <laughs> a weird, I, let, me tell I, you, let me tell what? you why. I don't know you well enough to ask this, but I'll tell you why. Yeah. I so enjoy being underdog and underestimated oh, yeah. that right now I'm getting into a funny part where I have enough wins and consistent wins and I'm out there enough yeah. that now I feel like, uh-oh, when I come up with new crazy shit, too many people think it's gonna work, and, no. I, and I'm just kind of enjoying, I'm having fodder with I you. I was, curi- no, no, I was no. curious what you thought about that. Well, let me tell you. you How talk- much enjoyment did you get out of like your world thinking it's crazy you went to Airbnb and then being right? Yeah. How much do you, like well, where I, are you I, now? Because I bet you the majority of people that know you in your space think this is now gonna be a success because two W's in a row, yeah gives you that clout. There's no doubt about that, but you start talking to people about their age <laughs> and they actually don't want to hear it. So there's an element and I'm not, I'm, I'm talking about like the executives at these, you know, Marriott, yeah. Hilton, Hyatt. You Interesting. Know, You're as, poking a I'm sensitive po- it, spot. It, it, it's sort of like, okay. Yeah. And, and frankly, the CEOs of those companies who I know pretty well are not going to get all worked up because they've, they've had their success. That's right. But it's that mid-level person yeah, who right. doesn't know if they're going to be able to have their job a year from now who sort of says, ooh, I don't even, I don't know what a midlife wisdom school would be. So long story short is, I, yes, I appreciate the fact that my pedigree has allowed me to get to a place where people do keep an eye on what I'm doing. But when you do something weird and and, and create yeah. a midlife wisdom school, yeah. it sounds a little weird. God, it feels so fucking right to me. Yeah, I know. I it know. really does. So it's necessary. Now I understand why I got the email. We're going to see a hundred of these in the next 10 years. Yeah, so my, I'm, a, my, I'm a buyer of that. That's my that's my job is to go out and be I'm the, the Pied Piper. I'm a huge buyer of that. So. Good for you. Yeah. Well, let you. me know how I can help and we'll talk about me coming to Baja. Thank you. Love it. Where can everybody check it out if they want to do some homework or what do they Google? They could go to modernelderacademy.org. Modernelderacademy.org. Or, or, or com, either one. They're both, uh, they can go to my website, chipconley.com, C-O-N-L-E-Y. And, um, and the book is called? Wisdom at Work, The Wisdom Making at work. of a Modern Elder. Chip, thanks for being on. Yeah, Gary. This was good, to bro. see you.
I'm so glad you reached out because I think this is going to hit this audience. Guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Please give us some feedback on social so I can get the qualitative data on like the enjoyment or your thoughts on it. I think if you're following this, you A, know how much I give a shit about this so it was smart of Chipper team to reach out to me because this is the right audience and more importantly, I'm also wildly uh, aware that an enormous amount of you are skew younger and have parents and loved ones that are probably not even fucking thinking about this so make sure they listen to this podcast. I think if we impact one of your parents to get happy, that's an ROI positive event. As we end today's podcast, I wanna give a huge shout out to the people, you know, it's so funny, people that leave reviews and written reviews of this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all the other platforms just mean the world to me. You've taken an extra 13 to 95 seconds to show love and also give context to people of why this is a worthwhile podcast. So I appreciate that so much. And even more fun, because uh, I think we all love a little cosign or a shout out or a little awareness. Uh, I'm gonna have the team give a couple of shout outs uh, daily on uh, our favorite reviews. So Dean, take it away. Which were our favorites this week? Thanks, Gary. Today's reviews, passion for compassion and one word, authentic, written in by Berto D. Helper and Chris Goraleski say, Gary never ceases to amaze me. He's genuine, thoughtful, and above all, compassionate. Thanks for your tireless efforts to create a more selfless and successful world. Thank you for bestowing your wisdom on us freely. I see you, Gary, and I am inspired to be more like you every day. Cheers to your continued success. It is much deserved. And secondly, Gary, you are consistent and above all, authentic. You have changed my life for the better, and I recommend listening to you for anyone. You touch on so many subjects, but all can relate. Forever grateful. Thank you both so much for writing in, and remember, keep leaving reviews, because yours could be next.